0: Welcome to Lost in Twin Peaks. This episode covers the current events that happened around the time that Season 1, Episode 7, was uh, aired in May 1990. So we're going to talk about what was in the news, what was in the media on the cover of Time magazine, what was actually on TV that night as counter-programming the whole package. But starting with this particular episode and how it fared in uh the audience. This finally aired after, you know, shooting the season about six months earlier on Thursday, May 17th, 1990. There were fifteen point six million viewers and it got a ten point six rating. This is unfortunately the lowest Twin Peaks has been all season. So right as it's approaching its finale and I think Sweeps Month is going, it's not looking so great. Fifteen point six million is down from seventeen point three uh the week before and you know it it had been sort of struggling uh, it had gotten $34 million in its pilot. And so if the execs are looking at this, it looks kind of iffy. But it was renewed this week. Before the finale, uh, ABC came out and said, yep, we're giving you another season. Um, however, they were going to schedule it on a Saturday night, which was a little nerve-wracking for people to hear because that was considered sort of a dead zone in terms of network TV at the time. But hey, they're getting a whole season. They came out at that point. I'm not sure if they came out at that point and said the episode count. But uh, it was going to be a lot more episodes than seven. So they had their hands full, getting ready to to go back. But nonetheless, there's got to be a little bit of concern there looking, going, "Mm, even with all this hype, we're not quite pulling what we'd hope we would. Now, that said, this was not a blockbuster night of TV. None of the shows were really getting that many viewers. Uh, Even Cheers was... Maybe only at 18 million. Granted, it was a repeat. You know, the season had already ended, but it was still beating Twin Peaks in the ratings. Wings also beat Twin Peaks in the ratings. That was the show that had followed Cheers for several weeks and was uh, had, that had slipped down quite a bit as well. But uh, you know, was still getting I think about 15 million viewers. So this episode was called "The Girl from Nantucket." Uh, it's about uh you know, the the brothers who kind of had a falling out over one of them cheating with the other one's wife. The ex-wife came back into it in the previous episode, and then apparently she's already out of the way because one of the brothers is... Uh, on his way to get a date, and he has to get a date for the, her friend as well, so he volunteers his, his uh, brother, who's hesitant when he discovers that the friend is considered promiscuous. But he reluctantly goes along because she wants to change her reputation, and then he ends up defending her when an ex encounters them out. So there's sort of a nice little bit of dramatic irony there, I guess. I'm guessing this is going to develop into something in the plot, this relationship, but of course we're not going to have much opportunity to find out, because this is the last time, at least for a while, that Twin Peaks is going to go head-to-head with Wing. The title, by the way, comes from the famous Limerick, There Once Was a Man from Nantucket, which has many variations, which led me down a mini-Wikipedia rabbit hole in which I learned that Nicktoons, Hey Arnold, and SpongeBob allude to the lewd joke, although, of course, they're cut off before they can finish it. As the anonymous wiki author puts it in a section titled Ribald Versions, uh, which surprised me with the version that was allowed to be printed in a 1927 book, many variations on the theme are possible, because of the ease of rhyming Nantucket with certain vulgar phrases. On CBS, uh, they ran the final episode of Falcon Crest after almost nine years on the air. This was the primetime soap that they had switched to Twin Peaks time slot after, basically, I think they'd already canceled it, and they were just running out the season. And, uh, you know, ignominiously just was losing out to Twin Peaks and, like, reruns of Cheers every week. So on this episode, there's a wedding at the Grand Californian Estate of the Wine Barons. The family business is prepared to be sold. And Jane Wyman's character reminisces about the many years of Falcon Crest. So this was probably a clip show as well. I'm not sure if that's sort of a nice uh, way to go out, remembering all of the, the good times viewers had, or if it's just kind of sad that they ended with a clip show. Then again, Seinfeld basically ended with a clip show. Uh, maybe a little more creatively. But this show, Falcon Crest, started on December 4th, 1981, which was a very different time, both on TV and the world at large. So, this is the end of an era, as I said the week before or a couple weeks ago. On ABC, they led into Twin Peaks with a repeat episode of Father Dowling Mysteries. Again, unknown. The, the site I use doesn't usually describe what the repeats are. And they led out with another episode of Primetime Live. I can't find the episode this week as. It's is often the case, it's really hard, surprisingly hard, to find descriptions of what given TV episodes were airing, particularly for news programs. Uh, Now, that said, uh, next week's episode, the next episode, uh, I am going to talk about Primetime Life, even though it did not follow Twin Peaks, because Twin Peaks was moved to a Wednesday night for its finale. I guess they just didn't want it to compete with NBC's Must TV slot, but I gotta say that's a little surprising, because NBC actually aired a Cheers special that night, but luckily at a different time than Twin Peaks, so they were still... Almost up against Cheers, even when they tried to escape it by moving to another night. But the reason I'm going to mention Primetime Live, even though it doesn't follow Twin Peaks, is because they did an entire special on Twin Peaks, a 10-minute segment which is a lot of fun. I'll probably play some clips. And it involves the finale, so I'm not going to link it or talk about it yet, but the whole video clip's online. And, uh, you know, ABC was really pushing Twin Peaks with, to the point where they had their news magazine with, I think, Diane Sawyer bantering about Twin Peaks and doing all this fun stuff with it. So that'll be fun to talk about. Uh, despite these ratings being somewhat middling, it was just really, like, the people who did watch it Still 15 million people, and they were way more enthusiastic than the people watching, you know, stuff that had twice the amount of ratings. So there was a lot of material on it. In movie theaters at this time, Pretty Woman was still number one at the box office like two months into its run. Uh, Was up a bit from the week before, but still only around 7 million. The summer season hadn't started yet, so all these big blockbusters were still to come. But Pretty Woman, I mean, was one of the big blockbusters of the year. It's just surprising that several months in, it's still number one. On this day in the news, Kelsey Grammer, one of the stars of Cheers, Twin Peaks' big competitor, was sentenced to a dramatic 30-day jail sentence for driving while intoxicated, likely springing from earlier arrests for similar offenses, including cocaine as well as alcohol. In the Barber decision, the European Court of Justice ruled that pensions for men and women must be equal. And on this same day, another international body recognized social progress by rolling back a decision the World Health Organization finally removed homosexuality from their classifications of mental illnesses. Coincidentally, 175, the 17th of May, as written in European style, also corresponded to paragraph 175, a provision of the German criminal code that lasted through the years of the Kaiser, Weimar, Hitler, and the Division of Germany. That wasn't uh, rolled back until 1994, but the coincidence of 175 and the 17th of May led to uh, May 17th becoming International Day Against Homophobia, Transphobia, and Biphobia, which is how it's recognized today. So that date in history has a significance for that. Time magazine ran a cover story on Andrei Sakharov called Sakharov Memoirs of a 20th Century Giant. And in the description they wrote, first revered in the USSR as the father of the Soviet hydrogen bomb, and then reviled as a traitor for his tireless defense of human rights, he recounts his tumultuous life. So they had a few samples from his book, including uh, a look at Lavrente Beria, a terrifying human being, and that was uh, one of Stalin's closest associates, who was then executed by Khrushchev after Stalin died. Uh, the recent movie "Death of Stalin," I guess, has a pretty uh, scathing portrait of him. He was not only participant and perpetrator of like mass murder and and uh, all of that. He was also a rapist. Uh, pretty. Bad guy. Another chapter they excerpted was the Oppenheimer-Teller feud, which is about a feud between the two American sci- atomic scientists. And uh, Sakharov kind of seemed to have an interesting take on that, where he obviously saw the parallels between him and Oppenheimer, which at some point, I won't say how for the new viewers, but uh, Oppenheimer's kind of quote about the atomic bomb uh, ties into Twin Peaks someday. He said, uh, he quoted from the Bhagavad Gita, as he observed the first atomic test at a Trinity, the Trinity test site in New Mexico, Oppenheimer said, Now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. Another chapter they sampled was called The Man Who Poisoned Soviet Science, which I think is a reference to Trofim Lysenko, who was somebody I didn't know anything about. This led me down an interesting avenue. I'd heard his name, but he was a Soviet agronomist and biologist who was considered very anti-scientific method. And it was alleged many people had died because of saying, like, this isn't how you do science. And they that he had them killed. So I don't really know the details of this, but uh, it was certainly an interesting direction to go down. Apparently Sakharov, by opposing him and some of his disciples at like a a meeting where one of them was going to be incorporated into a sort of a scientific society, this was like the beginning of his descent. And finally, they have a piece on why Sakharov ranks as a world-class scientist. That's it for this episode. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And you can be also become a patron on patreon.com slash Movies. Tomorrow we will cover characters, locations, coffee, pie, and donuts, a section I call In the Weeds, where we go really into the details of who's got what screen time, what we see, what we don't, etc. See you then. Grandfather. How long has it been since you came to the valley and planted your first vine from Italy? I remember how you used to hold me on the saddle, riding through the fields and teaching me about the land and the vineyards and how precious they are together. It seems like only yesterday. Yes, the past has its place, but I'll keep looking to the future. After all, there's a wedding today children are playing, more children are on the way, and of course, the land. Always the land. People come and go, but the land endures. A toast to you, Falcon Crist. and long may you live.